0: This Memorial Day weekend, many of us will go to a graveyard or to a cherished journal or another source to remember a beloved ancestor. How is that practice related to the worship of Jesus or to the Holy Temple? We'll discuss. I'm Mark Holt, and this is a Gospel Doctrine special episode. Welcome to Gospel Doctrine, and today I'm trying something new. Um, this is a this should be a very short episode, I think, and uh, the reason I'm sharing it is because uh, first first thing I'm going to share is a practice that I've had for many years now. I learned on my mission that, uh, well, I, I was told on my mission, I was instructed on my mission that we had to have talks prepared for many different subjects, and I got in the practice of whenever I was in church meeting being ready to talk on whatever the topic was, because we were often called, being in an area where the church wasn't as developed, uh, we were often called upon to step up in the middle of a meeting without warning and speak. And perhaps it's the perfectionist in me, but I got into that practice and I never really gave it up. And so for good or ill, uh, while, uh, quite often while I'm in a church meeting, I'm I'm thinking somewhere in the back of my mind, what if everything went wrong and that some, for some reason the speaker didn't appear or one of the speakers finished early. And I'm always imagining, this has never happened since, by the way, but I'm always imagining what would I say if I were called upon now to say something in this meeting to address what the sacrament meeting topic is. So today, being the Sunday before Memorial Day, our topic in sacrament meeting was the temple. And so what I'm going to deliver to you now I, I prepared while I was sitting in that meeting. I prepared a little talk in my head, and uh, I I thought this this talk actually worked out kind of well. It's it's too bad I will never get to share it. And then I thought, well, I have a I have a forum that I can share it with, and so I decided to come home and uh, make a special episode about this. And so here's my spontaneous talk on the temple, which uh, happened to have what I thought was a very nice tie-in to Memorial Day. And for those of you who live outside of the United States, Memorial Day is a, a national holiday where we remember not only the, the dead in our family, but the dead who have given their lives in sacrifice for our freedom, either in the armed forces or in some other way. And uh, you don't have to be American to appreciate all of those blessings that have come from those who have gone before. And I think um, American or not, you'll find a lot of wonderful significance in what we're going to discuss. So the first thing that I would ask you to do is open up to John chapter 1, and you'll remember that we have discussed in the past the meaning of John chapter 1 verse 14, when it says that Jesus dwelt with us, or more accurately, that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So you may remember we we mentioned at that time we talked a little bit about that word to dwell uh, it actually comes from a, a Greek word skenoo which is to have one's tent with or to uh, to say that that the word dwelt with us means that he encamped with us and this was the same word that was used to have a to make your tabernacle with someone so the point of that verse was John was was making a specific point of saying that Jesus tabernacled with us. He was drawing a parallel between Jesus and the temple. And in fact, what he was saying was, Jesus is the truth to which the temple has always pointed. The temple had existed for several hundred years since in John's day, and for about 1,200 years or maybe a little more. And they all understood from the script, because it was very scriptural, exactly what was inside the temple, even though very few of them would ever even see the inside of it, perhaps through an open veil, and then even fewer would ever, would ever walk inside of it. But the way that it worked was, the temple had only two rooms. They had the outer court where the sacrifices were performed, which everyone could watch. And then the high priest would go inside, or the priests would go inside into the holy place. And this room was stitched and, and adorned and decorated with imagery from the Garden of Eden, so symbolizing man before the fall and life before the fall, and there are many symbols inside that room, including a table of bread uh, that offering to the priest and to God, and an uh, a menorah, a candlestick which would be constantly lit during times of worship, and an altar of incense among other things and then there was a double veil that was it was double so that no one would ever be able to see through it, so in order to pass through it, you would Walk through on one side, and then walk in between the two veils, and and then go around it, and you'd be in the the holy of holies. This is the second room in the temple. So if you can, if you think of it in our modern terms, you would think the outer court where the sacrifices performed, the telestial glory, a representative of that glory, the the holy place, the first room in the temple, as a terrestrial glory, and then the holy of holies as a sort of a celestial room. Uh, in that sense, the the structure of the ancient temple was was quite parallel to this to the structure, or at least the the principles of the modern temple and the modern temple endowment. So when John says he built his tabernacle, or he uh, he made his tabernacle with us, he dwelt among us. He this wasn't accidental. That's what he meant. And uh, another place that this word is used is uh, a scripture that that I think all of you have heard of. And if you remember that uh, John later would write, or actually later we would read, it's, it's sort of a little bit of a controversy whether the book of Revelation or Apocalypse was written before or after the Gospel of John. In any case, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 7, he talks about the 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe. So uh John is witnessing this vision of the future day in which 144,000 people would be selected and and chosen and set apart to do a great work and then John says he beholds an even greater multitude who is which no man could number and they're surrounding the throne of God and and they're and it says they stand before the throne and before the lamb so it's unclear as to whether he's talking about two different people or he's using uh ancient Hebrew parallelism to to name the same thing twice but he's but in in any case he's talking about a numberless what what Nephi would earlier describe as numberless concourses of people who are prostrating and kneeling prostrating themselves and kneeling before the throne of God and worshiping him in a state of never-ending adoration and then uh, in verse 13 of of Revelation chapter 7 One of the elders, we have this uh, quote One of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, are they before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. So you can see here, A very strong correlation between dwelling and the temple because they're with him in the temple this is even actually made more clear in the the new american standard bible if we read those same verses well we'll just read verse 15 this is the new american standard bible for this reason they are before the throne of god and they serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them so that's a beautiful turn of phrase, I think, uh, and that's, that's closer to the original Greek meaning, which is that when God dwells among us, what he's doing is he's spreading his tabernacle over us. If you recall on the Day of Atonement, the, the pinnacle of temple worship in the ancient temple was for the high priest, there's one, one person in all of Israel authorized to perform this work, and, and that is the high priest would, would sacrifice two lambs at the altar and he would carry the blood through, up into the temple, through the holy place, and back into the holy of holies, pass through the double veil, and then sprinkle the blood toward the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant had a representation of two angels extending their wings toward each other. You've seen a pretty good reproduction of of the biblical description of this, if you've ever seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Very close to what that Ark would have looked like. And they didn't quite meet in the middle, but this imaginary space above the, where these wings would meet was called the mercy seat, and that was where God was thought to actually reside. And so he sat, and, and that was the name of God's dwelling, was the mercy seat. And so think about the, all of the symbolism of Christ in the fact that the, the high priest ascends from the celestial glory to the celestial glory carrying the blood of the lamb and that blood of the lamb was used to wash the sins of all the nation of Israel all the people of Israel away on that day so they would they would be forgiven by God's mercy as he dwelt in the mercy seat and what john is saying is that not only is is jesus making a temple among us but he is the temple the temple is jesus the temple is this shadow of what jesus is the actual physical and spiritual reality this idea is developed to in, to me much more completely by nephi now now lehi had a dream of the tree of life and nephi wanted to know the meaning of that dream so in first nephi chapter 11 he prays to know the meaning and i wanted to identify a particular verse in this chapter that would tell us about this, but I couldn't. It's actually the entire chapter, so I recommend reading this chapter if you want to understand this idea. But this, 1 Nephi 11, is the story of the condescension of God. And if you don't know what that means, this is the chapter to learn. So the first thing that happens is, when Nephi prays, he's shown uh, another, again, as his father saw, he's shown another vision of the tree of life, and he sees it in his vision. And the angel asks him, "What what do you want? And he says, well, above all else, I just want to know the interpretation of this dream. So, he doesn't he doesn't ask about everything in his father's dream. He asks specifically about the tree of life. That's what he's seen to that point. And then the angel asks him, Do you understand the condescension of God? And Nephi says, Well, I understand some things, but I don't understand all things. In other words, no, I don't I don't know what that means. Help me with that. And instead of answering the question, what happens next is that Nephi has shown a vision of the birth of Jesus, of Mary before Jesus is born and Mary before after Jesus is born. And when he sees this, then the angel asks him again, do you know the meaning of the tree of life? And at that point, this is very significant, at that point, Nephi is able to answer the question. He said, yes, I know what it is. It's the love of God which shows itself abroad in the hearts of men. And so when Nephi is shown a vision of Jesus coming to earth. That's when he understands the love of God. And if you understand what condescension means, condescension means lowering yourself to live among. So, and uh, it's been used in quite an opposite sense where um, somebody who's not actually higher, right? We, We generally today consider all people to be equal, but there is a lot of human history where that wasn't the case. And so a person who was a nobleman or a, or a member of royalty would uh, condescend by making them putting themselves on a level with the common people. And today we use the word um, when someone who's not actually higher thinks that they're higher. And so they speak in a condescending tone as if they're higher. But in its literal sense, before it was men, in a sarcastic sense, it meant someone who is actually higher coming down and putting themselves on a level with those who are below. So that is what Jesus did. He is on a higher plane than we are, but he was willing to come down and be with us. And when Nephi beheld this, he understood the meaning of this tree. He knew it was the most desirable blessing anyone could receive. But at that moment, he understood that it was the love of God. So it's the love of God that allows Jesus and allowed Jesus to come to earth and live among us and spread his tabernacle over us. Another thing about this word skeno is that it means a temporary residence. So it doesn't mean that you've built your city with people and then lived with them. It means that you've dwelt with them on a temporary basis. You've encamped with them. This tabernacle is a temporary residence. And so Jesus came to live with us, but it's not his true home. That all of that is encompassed in this word dwelt. He dwelt with us means he is the temple He spread his tabernacle over us, and it was not his true home. All of those things are true. If you remember, uh, we talked recently about the idea of a telos, and the telos of Jesus is to be like God. We understand that intuitively. We know that Jesus and his Father are one. So we understand that the condescension of God and, and the fact that Jesus tabernacled with us means that Jesus and the Father are willing to condescend to us and come down and live among us now nephi went on in his vision to see the sufferings and death and ministry of jesus and then to see that the uh, the great and abominable church would fall and this is language very reminiscent of uh, it shows the the latter day results of the ministry of jesus and it's very reminiscent of the 56th chapter of Isaiah, when Isaiah says there will come a time when all nations will flow. It's also from the chapter, the second chapter of Isaiah, all nations will flow to the temple and, um, the, the foreigner and the eunuch will have a a place and a name better than sons and daughters, meaning all, all people who are willing to believe in Jesus will be accepted into his house. So, that's the journey on the Day of Atonement. That's the meaning of the temple, and it's, it's mirrored in modern-day temples. To me, it felt very appropriate that on the Sunday before Memorial Day, we gather in church and we sing patriotic songs and speak of our honored dead. But that Sunday, like every Sunday, is also a Memorial Day of another kind because we sing songs and we speak of Jesus, who is our most honored dead. And if the sacrament is a commemoration of his atonement. Then we are singing and speaking and remembering and participating in a sacred ordinance as part of this memorial. Going to the temple, and going to the modern temple is similar. We're remembering our honored dead to an even greater extent because we're participating in their redemption. We're thinking of them and speaking of them as, as we prepare the names to take with us. And it is there we come to terms with the real meaning of the condescension of God because as we walk under that holy roof, we experience what it means to have Christ spread his tabernacle over us, as John said in chapter 7 of Revelation. That is to say, to dwell among us. And we commemorate there, we commemorate not just as atonement as we do in the sacrament. As important as the atonement is, but but in the temple, we celebrate Christ in all of his roles. We celebrate him as creator, as redeemer, as our teacher, our healer, our savior, and our friend. It is there we encounter our most honored dead, in his most complete form. So this Memorial Day, remember with gratitude those who have gone before, especially our ancestors, who are responsible for so many of our blessings. We are their seed. And acknowledge, too, that any day, we can remember with utmost gratitude Jesus of Nazareth, whose seed we also all are, as Isaiah observed in his marvelous chapter 53, who is responsible for all of our blessings, who condescended to make his temporary dwelling with us, to lead us from grace to grace until we are prepared to return again to rest with God in the place of his highest glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.